Gamers today are faced with many games with in-game purchases in order for you to up your game or customize your character in many of the games they're playing. Is this good or bad? And is this a needed evolution in gaming? I'll discuss that today on Joey's Totally Tech. remember the old days of video gaming? Games came on cartridges. If the game wasn't complete for some reason, oh well, that's all the game you got. So developers were under pressure to complete the game before its actual release. And every single power-up and character customization was done in the game. No extra charge. Later we had expansion packs and games with features that you could unlock by certain actions both of which I thought were pretty cool. But what about today? No, you can't have your completed game. Game collections are meaningless. You download everything, no cartridge or CD. And in some games, you need to pay for that upgrade. You need to pay for that customization. Loot boxes and other in-game transactions have invaded the gaming world on PC, console, and mobile. So is this a good model to have, or does it infuriate gamers? Would you believe we could trace microtransactions all the way back to 1990? The arcade game Double Dragon 3, The Rosetta Stone, was known for its use of microtransactions to purchase items in the game. There were shops in the game where you'd insert coins into the arcade machine to purchase upgrades, power-ups, health, weapons, and characters. In South Korea, Nexon's online free-to-play games like Quiz Quiz, MapleStory, Mabinogi, and Dungeon Fighter Online had microtransactions. Around the same time, Habbo Hotel and Second Life had microtransactions too. Facebook games such as Farmville, the Simpsons Tapped Out, and Bejeweled Blitz have had microtransactions for some time. Valve popularized the notion of microtransactions in PC gaming with Team Fortress 2. Using the in-game Manco store, you can purchase currency in supply crate keys and open uncreated items for form or functional use. Originally a $20 game, Valve dropped the price tag and made it free to play in 2011. And now we see this in other AAA titles like Overwatch, Call of Duty, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Fortnite, and much more. Now many of the games that make money through microtransactions are free to play, but not all. Deus Ex Mankind Divided is a game that was criticized for having microtransactions 
after you've purchased the game. So let's talk about why microtransactions suck. Too often in games, you essentially have to make microtransactions to gain power-ups in order to win. This is known as pay-to-win. And I suppose in a free game, this is a bit more acceptable. If you have a paid game, however, it really sucks and players with extra money influence the game, particularly in online gameplay. Sometimes it costs too much money for what it's actually worth as well. Blizzard had a bundle of 50 loot boxes in Overwatch for $39.99 at one point. And quite frankly, I'm not sure if you get any real-world value out of that beyond just kicking butt in the game. It could facilitate gambling behaviors. This is particularly concerning when it comes to minors who play games, as well as people with gambling addictions. And the obvious one, if you've already shelled out $60 for the game itself, well, now you're just paying more money to experience the full game. And there have been legislative efforts to regulate microtransactions. In 2018, Netherlands and Belgium banned microtransactions in games sold in their countries. The particular games they looked at in Belgium, EA's Star Wars Battlefront 2, FIFA 18, Overwatch, and Valve's Counter-Strike Global Offensive were determined to be games of chance, and as such, they are highly regulated by that government under their gambling laws. The games have to remove their microtransactions to be sold in those countries. Most game publishers have agreed to this, but EA had contested that they do not constitute as gambling. Eventually, EA complied too, and made it so players in Belgium can't purchase FIFA points, which is the in-game currency in FIFA's Ultimate Team Game Mode. The state of Hawaii has made it illegal to sell loot boxes to anyone under the age of 21, and the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act was proposed by Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, which would ban microtransactions and loot boxes from games, though despite bipartisan support, it has yet to be passed. But sometimes microtransactions don't suck. We've discussed loot boxes and pay to win, but of course, not all microtransactions are about paying to win. We have cosmetic add-ons too, popular in games such as Fortnite and Minecraft. You can gain certain characters or customize your existing characters. These cosmetic changes don't factor into whether someone performs any better than anyone else. It's just purely cosmetic and nothing more. And I think this kind of microtransaction is more accepted in the gaming community. You don't have to purchase it to win the game. I can think of one defense for microtransactions in this day and age. If you were to go back 20 or 30 years ago, 
a typical video game might cost you $60. In present day, if you look, the average AAA game is still $60. So it's not like there hasn't been inflation. There has. Of course, publishers are saving money by doing digital downloads rather than putting the games on cartridge or disc these days. But inflation is only going to continue to go up. It makes sense that a AAA game should be more than just $60 by now. But it's not. And it seems to be because that's the threshold for what most gamers are willing to pay for a AAA game. Microtransactions in these games would help the companies recuperate what they're losing by not pricing the game higher than $60. Assuming it's not the type of microtransaction where you have to pay to win, I think many gamers would find that acceptable. So here's where I stand. I'm generally not crazy about microtransactions in paid games myself for anything beyond cosmetic reasons. Pay to win should not happen in paid games. And I can't say I like to pay to win in free games either, but it makes sense to a certain extent. The publishers and developers do need to be paid for their work. They are only going to make so much money off of the ads. So maybe the pay-to-win model makes more sense here, though I'm still not a big fan of it, and I do think we could be encouraging gambling behaviors in this type of microtransaction. Granted, in certain games I will pay these microtransactions every once in a while, they typically only give me a momentary boost, however. These aren't first-person shooters I'm playing, but casual games. I think a better model, however, would be a subscription-based service for online gameplay. And I say this as someone who doesn't like the idea of the subscription services and bills just piling up. If you want to do online gameplay, you commit to the particular games you want to pay for to play online. You pay to enter the arena and compete, not to win. Though I know because of gamers only committing to a few games in that case and not a wider variety of games where they could be buying those loot boxes, my idea isn't likely to get any traction because they're making a ton more on those microtransactions you're paying in-game. Hey everyone, it's Joey, and I'm recording this for my iPhone 6S. Have you heard about the Anchor app yet? If not, let me explain. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. I'm recording from my phone right now. I normally use my professional microphone at home to record, but hey, I'm showing that you can do this on the phone too. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast. There's no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app in the Apple App Store or Android's Google Play Store today to get started. Anchor. 
the easiest way to make a podcast. It seems like every week we always have more and more tech news. So let's get it started. AMD's Big Navi is coming to PCs before consoles. There's a wallpaper that could crash your Android phone. People are suing Google over Chrome's incognito mode. Apple is tracking that iPhone you stole while you were looting. Italian doctors are saying coronavirus is disappearing. And the largest all-electric aircraft yet had a 30-minute flight. Sit back and relax and have some coffee or tea because it's time for the news. AMD's Big Navi comes to PCs before consoles this time around. AMD has confirmed that the upcoming Big Navi GPUs will be the first products based on RDNA 2 architecture. Next generation gaming consoles like the PS5 and Xbox Series X, which will also have RDNA 2 based graphics, will arrive after Big Navi. AMD's CFO Devendra Kumar stated, There's a lot of excitement for Navi 2, or what our fans have dubbed as the Big Navi. Big Navi is a Halo product. Enthusiasts love to buy the best, and we are certainly working on giving them the best. End quote. Big Navi graphics cards, the Radeon RX 6000 series, are expected between September or October. A photo is crashing many Android phones. Android users are reporting that a wallpaper featuring a landscape with mountains, clouds, and a lake in vivid colors crashes their phones. And it doesn't seem to be a particular range of devices, but handsets from different companies, including Google and Samsung. It also appears to impact a large number of devices running Android 10. But it has no impact on an early Android 11 developer preview. The issue gained attention on social media after a tipster who goes by the name Ice Universe on Twitter tweeted about the wallpaper. The tipster warned users not to apply the wallpaper as it would crash their devices. Of course, several people did the exact opposite at their own peril. Google and Samsung consumers are among the most affected users, but neither company has responded. According to Bogdan Petrovan of Android Authority, the image crashed a Google Pixel 2, though it didn't affect his Huawei Mate 20 Pro. So it doesn't affect every single Android phone that runs the latest version. Affected users aren't able to resolve the issue until they factory reset their phones. The reason for the crash is a mystery, though it's suspected restricted color space might be the reason. It's a bug in the Android system that restricts the color space of an image causing the crash. Google has provided support for the usual standard RGB or sRGB format in its Android operating system. However, there are various images that don't have the usual sRGB format. Some developers have provided patches for open-source Android distribution Lineage OS 
that highlight color space related adjustments to avoid crashes from certain images. Microsoft has rolled out its new version of Edge, now powered by Chromium. Edge is now more similar to the Google Chrome browser. Compatibility with websites is much improved, as is performance. Some users even report that Edge is less resource-intensive than Chrome, but that's no surprise since Chrome is known to be a bit of a memory hog. It can run extensions which are hosted on the Microsoft Store. When installing the browser via Microsoft Update, Windows will automatically migrate settings, bookmarks, and other features, which will make the upgrade process smooth. So the question is, will people still just use Microsoft Edge to download Google Chrome? People are suing Google over tracking in Chrome's incognito mode. The class action suit wants at least $5 billion from Google and owner Alphabet. Many users assume their search history isn't being tracked when they view in private mode, but Google has said that's not the case. The search engine denies that it is illegal and says it's upfront about the data it collects in this mode. The proposed action likely includes millions of Google users since June 1st, 2015, who browse the internet in private mode, according to law firm Boys Schiller Flexner, who filed the claim on Tuesday in a federal court in San Jose, California. The complaint says Google, quote, cannot continue to engage in the covert and unauthorized data collection from virtually every American with a computer or phone, end quote. Incognito mode gives users the choice to search the internet without their activity being saved to the browser or the device. But websites visited can use tools such as Google Analytics to track usage. The web browser does state when you start incognito mode, websites might be able to collect information about your browsing activity. Google claims the collection of search history, even in a private viewing mode, helps site owners, quote, better evaluate the performance of their content, products, marketing, and more, end quote. Quote, people everywhere are becoming more aware and concerned that their personal communications are being intercepted, collected, recorded, or exploited for gain by technology companies they have come to depend on, end quote, said in the filing. For those concerned about Google Analytics tracking you, you can install the Google Analytics browser opt-out extension to disable measurement by Google Analytics. There's a new Linux distro that boots directly into Python. If you're fond of the old days like I am, where many home computers would boot straight into a basic programming interpreter, you may find this interesting. There's a new Linux distribution called Snakeware that boots the user directly into the Python interpreter. This makes it easier for even beginners to contribute apps and other code to the distro. The goal is to eventually have a usable set of user space apps and utilities written entirely in Python. You can check out a link to the GitHub for that project in the description in the news section, and they even have a three-minute demo video there. Apple warns looters with stolen iPhones that they're being tracked. 
So my position has been as someone who isn't the victim, I don't have a say in how the victims should protest. Also, the Boston Tea Party was basically damaged to other people's property. But if you were looting install an iPhone, it may have been a bad idea. Tim Cook gave a statement saying that he understands the, quote, pain deeply etched into the soul of our nation and in the hearts of millions, end quote, and said we must, quote, stand up for one another and recognize the fear, hurt, and outrage rightly provoked by the senseless killing of George Floyd and a much longer history of racism, end quote. But Apple stores were attacked or damaged in multiple locations, with looters stealing what products they could get. It has been known for some time that Apple operates some form of proximity software that disables a device when it is illegally taken from a store. But until now, little has been seen of this tech in action. But now on social media, we can see the message that greets a looter powering up their new device. Quote, this device has been disabled and is being tracked. Local authorities will be alerted, end quote, is what the stolen iPhone says, along with the phone asking the looter to return the device to the Apple store it was stolen from. While it's unlikely the devices will be returned, it is likely they may be stripped for parts. They could also be dumped over fears there is some form of tracking in place. A top Italian doctor says the novel coronavirus is losing its potency. According to Alberto Zangrillo, head of the San Rafael Hospital in Milan in the northern region of Lombardy, the novel coronavirus is losing its strength and becoming much less lethal. Quote, in reality, the virus clinically no longer exists in Italy. The swabs that were performed over the last 10 days showed a viral load in quantitative terms that was absolutely infinitesimal compared to the ones carried out a month or two ago, end quote, he told RAI Television. Italy has had the third highest death toll in the world from COVID-19, having 33,415 people dying since the outbreak came to light on February 21st. They have had the sixth highest global tally of cases at 233,019 cases. New infections and fatalities have fallen steadily in May, and the country is undoing some of the most rigid lockdown restrictions introduced anywhere on the continent. Zangrillo says that some experts were too alarmist about the prospect of a second wave of infection and that politicians need to take into account the new reality. He said, quote, we've got to get back to being a normal country. Somebody has to take responsibility for terrorizing the country, end quote. But the government urged caution, saying it's too soon to claim victory. Sandra Zampa, an undersecretary of the health ministry, said, quote, Pending scientific evidence to support the thesis that the virus has disappeared, I would invite those who say they are sure of it not to confuse Italians. We should instead invite Italians to maintain the maximum caution, maintain physical distancing, avoid large groups, to frequently wash their hands, and to wear masks, end quote. Another doctor from northern Italy has told the National ANSA news agency 
that he was also seeing the virus weaken. Quote, the strength the virus had two months ago is not the same strength as it has today, end quote, said by Matteo Bassetti, head of the Infectious Diseases Clinic at the San Martino Hospital in the city of Genoa. If you are living in Italy, please continue to wear masks and observe social distancing until it's confirmed that the virus has lost its strength and you have nothing to worry about. COVID-19 contact tracing has started rolling out in Europe. Contact tracing apps are now available to Europeans. Stop COVID is available to download in France. In Italy, Immuni is available. And in Switzerland, you can download Swiss COVID. These apps should help these countries open back up while containing the COVID-19 virus. The Citizen app here in the United States has contact tracing as well. However, it has come under fire for privacy concerns. Laid-off chefs are using Instagram for income during the pandemic. Hundreds of restaurant workers like Victor Aguilera have turned to Instagram to make an extra income. Aguilera, for example, has launched Arepa Enterprise, where he takes to Instagram to sell food inspired by his home country of Venezuela. Interested customers can DM or text him for orders, and then he personally delivers the food by bicycle all over San Francisco, directly to the customer's door. Adahilla Cole, known as the Hungry Hungry Hooker online, used to give custom food tours of the city, but now has compiled a list of former restaurant workers in San Francisco who have gone to Instagram to generate their income. But the legality of the practice is somewhat questionable. State laws generally allow for selling food made out of a home, but permits and licenses are still required depending on your region. And enforcement can also vary. But it's not a new idea. The concept of the Insta-Chef has been around for some time. Michael Lawless, known as El Chefe, began his L.A.-based business in 2013 when he started promoting and selling his style of Cajun fried chicken on Instagram. He now has over 45,000 followers. And Trap Kitchen in South London, run by Prince Kofi Owuso, started in 2015 out of his mother's apartment and now has over 123,000 followers and offers boxed meals that contain everything from lobster tails to Belgian waffles. Instagram has also helped food workers build a community with each other. Instead of competing with one another, chefs often promote other chefs and create word-of-mouth campaigns that prove far more successful than traditional advertising. So if you're a laid-off chef, there's opportunity for you on Instagram. Google's DeepMind AI defeats human opponents in Quake 3 Capture the Flag. AI could be beating you in online gameplay soon, as Google's DeepMind AI surpassed a challenge with a computer program that was able to defeat its human adversaries in Quake 3 Arena's Capture the Flag mode. It's not the first time a DeepMind program has proved to be capable of beating human players. In 2016, AlphaGo defeated Lisa Doi, the best Go player in the world, with a 4-1 score. 
Earlier this year, Alpha Star shut out two professional StarCraft players in a pair of five-game series. In the Capture the Flag mode, two multiplayer teams attempt to capture the flag of their opponents and bring it back to their home base to score, while also trying to prevent their opponents from doing the same by shooting them to make them drop the flag if they are carrying one. This is a step up from previous tests due to the multiplayer nature as it requires teamwork between AI agents. The DeepMind team created the program called For the Win, which was trained by playing thousands of games of Capture the Flag in Quake 3 Arena. And in a few weeks, the program was able to defeat human opponents, even with the reaction time slowed down to not give too much of an advantage. After 12 hours of practice, human testers were only able to beat for the win in 25% of games. While human players were better at long-distance shooting, AI agents were more capable of navigating the play area to capture the flag. Interestingly, when a human and AI agent were paired together, the team had a 5% greater win rate compared to a team of just AI agents, suggesting the AI program is able to adapt to the human player, showing there's a benefit to humans working side by side with AI. We have a Tesla fail for you, a Tesla Model 3 drives straight into an overturned truck. In what appears to be an autopilot failure in Taiwan on their National Highway 1, a Tesla Model 3 crashed right into the roof of an overturned truck trailer. The autopilot system did not seem to detect the large rectangular object in front of it, and it was in broad daylight and clear weather. There's video footage of the wreck too. It does look like there was a brief attempt at braking before the impact. Previous wrecks have suggested that situations like this, a light-colored large immobile object on the road on a bright day can be hard for the autopilot system to distinguish. Immobile objects are generally challenging for emergency autopilot braking systems and autonomous systems. If you use radar emitters to trigger braking for immobile objects, cars tend to have too many false positives and unintended stops more than what would be safe or desirable. LiDAR systems would provide a better range of information for large immobile objects such as this, but Elon Musk has rejected these for Tesla's vehicles. A word of advice, if you use a car with autopilot, remember it's not capable of fully autonomous driving and you should be paying attention when using autopilot. A TikTok clone hits the top of the App Store by paying users to watch videos. The new TikTok competitor is called Zen. That's Z-Y-N-N. It's a nearly button-for-button -button clone of TikTok, but it pays users to sign up, watch videos, and convince others to follow suit. It launched at the beginning of May, and Mashable noticed it's now the number one app in Apple's App Store, and it's in the top 10 of Google Play as well. As you watch videos, a timer fills up and gives you points, which you can redeem later as cash or gift cards. The app didn't come out of nowhere, however. 
It's the extension of a rivalry over video apps in China. The creator, Kuaishou, is a well-funded startup that runs one of the biggest video apps in China, and the app is second only to Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok. And of course, the company makes money by selling ads on the app. SpaceX's Falcon 9 launches latest batch of internet satellites, including one with a visor. After sending its first astronauts in space, SpaceX prepared for another launch of its Falcon 9 rocket. This flight only carried 60 satellites into orbit. These are SpaceX's Starlink satellites, but only a fraction of the 12,000 they have permission to launch. The goal is to provide global internet coverage from space. These satellites are designed to beam broadband connectivity down to Earth below, with customers tapping into the system via personal user terminals. And one satellite looks slightly different from the rest, one with a visor or sunshade. It's designed to block light from the sun, keeping it from reflecting on the shiniest parts of the satellite, notably their antennas. That way, it appears less bright in the sky. It's SpaceX's attempt to dampen the brightness of satellites, which appear bright in the sky during sunrise and sunset here on Earth. And these reflections have caused major concern in the astronomy community. They are worried that the bright satellites could muck up their observations of the universe. They often rely on taking long exposure images of the night sky, and a bright satellite passing through an image can leave a long white streak that can ruin a shot. A German town replicated itself in VR to keep its tourism alive. Herrenberg, Germany recreated their town in virtual reality with high-performance computing center Stuttgart. Nikolai Ray, head of the Control and Communication Department and advisor to Herrenberg's mayor, told Cities Today, quote, You don't have to make a decision and then see what happens. You can see before you make the decision and what the effect will be via the digital twin. This makes it easier to make the right decision for our city council, politicians, and citizens, end quote. They are already using this digital twin, which incorporates supercomputing and technologies normally deployed in advanced aerospace to visualize city data and citizens' emotional responses to help inform better decision-making. The plan now is to develop the area of virtual tourism of the town of 31,000 people. Quote, we have a very beautiful city center so tourists can explore it in a digital way with VR glasses before they come to Herodburg, which is an interesting benefit for the future, end quote, Reith said. This is just the beginning as there are plans of using this technology in other places, especially in Asia. Genetic engineers are working on making an invisible man, and I guess that makes Clay Aiken's If I Were Invisible sort of a prophetic song, and it's hot off the heels of Bloomhouse Productions' The Invisible Man movie, too. Scientists at the University of California, Irvine, 
have published a paper describing work that could make it possible in real life, all thanks to a specific squid protein. It involves genetically engineering human cells to have the ability to vary in their transparency. It's a characteristic found in cephalopods, the family of marine animals which squids belong to, and are able to change both the color and transparency of their skin. Researchers took embryonic human kidney cells and grew them in a dish using a special technique to create the same protein known as reflectin, found in squid. This is just an early step towards developing cells that can be reversibly and tunably changed to alter their transparency levels. There's still a lot of work to be done. I don't quite like the idea of invisible people running around, popping up anywhere and everywhere. And I really don't want Clay Aiken watching me in my room like he talks about in the song. And finally, the world's largest all-electric airplane flies for 30 minutes. An all-electric airplane fitted by Magnix, or Magni-X, I'm not sure how it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, the Cessna 208B Grand Caravan took off for a test flight. Not this past Thursday, but the one before. The aircraft can seat up to nine people. It was followed by a chase plane to document the flight, which ended up being 30 minutes. Magni-X arrived in 2009 to make alternative power more attractive for owner-operators. The team includes members from companies like Airbus, Boeing, Google X, SpaceX, and Tesla. This is the largest plane they've done the electric fitting in, but they demonstrated this last December in a smaller Magni-X plane in collaboration with regional shuttle airline Harbor Air. The plane flew for 15 minutes. They also announced plans to make Harbor the world's first all-electric airline in March of 2019. And that does it for the news this week, as well as this episode of Joey's Totally Tech. I hope you found it informative and entertaining. I will catch you next time.